That's right. It's Cosmic Dragon, y'all. Episode 13. We're going to be watching out for some black cats. We're not going to break any mirrors. not going to open any umbrellas inside. And we're also not going to walk under any ladders, which is kind of hard for me since I'm a firefighter. You can't really help it sometimes, especially that big one when you got it hovering over the house. Anyway, welcome to episode 13, where we are going to be talking about Priest of Bones, the new book from Peter McLean, my good friend for many years. He wrote the Drake series from Angry Robot, my publisher. And I want to welcome you back to Cosmic Dragon. We're back in business. I've been away for a few months, and you might be saying, Sean, what have you been doing? I've been waiting for another episode of Cosmic Dragon, and I'll tell you what I've been doing. I have been working on Ash Kickers, which is the sequel to Smoke Eaters. I'm almost done. I should be done by the end of this current month, but it won't be out for a whole nother year. But you don't have to worry because if you enjoyed Smoke Eaters or if you just want to read something I've written, Daughters of Forgotten Light is coming out September 4th in the U.S. and uh, the following Thursday in the U.K. from Angry Robot Books. I really think you're going to like this one. It's totally different from Smoke Eaters, though. I do want to say that. Daughters of Forgotten Light is about all women motorcycle gangs in space. It's been compared to the comic Bitch Planet meets Escape from New York or that old movie from the uh, late 70s, early 80s, The Warriors. It's got a lot of that vibe to it. Grindhouse, pulp, exploitation, but with a purpose. It's very, I am woman, hear me roar. Let's take down the system. And the end is going to leave your jaw on the floor. I can promise you. But enough about me and my books and my stuff. Let's get into our interview with Peter McLean talking about Priest of Bones available this October. And uh, this is episode 13 of Cosmic Dragon. Uh, I don't find 13 to be an unlucky number like some people, but I wanted to get who I would assume would be a very lucky guest for episode 13. And we're joined by Peter McLean, uh, who I've known for a long time it seems like a few years through the internet uh i got your book uh, drake for a father's day present uh you, you were uh, you were picked up by angry robot with that through their open door uh event can, can you That's tell us right. yeah can you tell us about uh, that and how that went and how long it took uh, oh that was a good few years ago now um i always get the years in a muddle whenever i'm telling this story because everything took so long so it must have been the 2014 Open Door. Yes, yes, it was. It was the 2014 Open Door. And I submitted on the very last day. It was New Year's Eve. And it, it closed at midnight New Year's Eve. And I think I got my submission in at about 11.30 p.m. or something. As I just sat and polished it and polished it and read the guidelines till I was blue in the face. I was sure I was going to screw it up. But I just about got it in before the window closed. And, you know, th these things always take a good while. I think it's sort of five to six months turnaround on an open door is pretty average. But unfortunately, that was the year in which Angry Robot changed hands. They um, they were sold by a parent company, I think it was called Osprey, and um, being bought by Watkins Media, who own them now. So, of course, with all that going on and company restructuring and everything, it took until... November. No, I've got I've got the year wrong again. It was 2013. 2013 Open Door. That's right. And it was November 2014 when oh, I'd given it up for dead. I think everybody had. They got in touch and said, hey, you know, we really like this. Can we read the rest of it? Because back then you only sent the first sort of three or four chapters, I think. 
and I put myself up off the floor and was like, oh, it's Kush Cam. So send it off. And I think the following February, so it would have been February 14, I think. Valentine's Day, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, they came back and said, actually, you know, we'd really like to publish this. And then, of course, publishing takes an incredibly long time anyway, as you well know, from uh, from initial interest to the book actually coming out. And it finally came out on the shelves in um, it was January 16. So just over two years ago, and it feels a lot longer than that, <laughs> strangely <laughs> enough. It really does. So since then, there's been another two Drake books. And we sold Priest of Bones to Ace Rock at Penguin in the US and Joe Fletcher Books at Quirkus in the UK. And that's coming out this October. So for what's effectively only been two years as a published author, a great deal has happened. Yeah. And from just looking at your Amazon profile, you've got five books, basically. You'd mentioned Baphomet by Night that you're doing with Black Library. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Warhammer so that- 40K, yeah. That's right. So Amazon and Goodreads list anything with an ISBN as a book, whatever it is. So e- even the, the standalone Black Library short stories, because they've got an ISBN and an as-in, so they can sell them on Amazon. They do actually list them as books, even though they're, you know, what would you call a 10,000-word story a book? don't know. Right. <laughs> point, but, point of terminology, okay. I mean, this is why Mark Lawrence's Goodreads profile is five pages long. You know, right. It's a short story he's ever published. Exactly. And so go. I was going to say that the so the, the Drake series it's a trilogy, at least so far. Uh, you got at Drake, least, Damnation, and Dominion. Or excuse me, Drake, Dominion, and then Damnation's the the that, most that's recent. Right. It, it is a trilogy so far. Yeah, it's it's kind of on ice at the moment. I would very like very much like to write some more of them one day. But well, that's uh, it, it's all pressed to bones at the moment. And, uh, you know, we're both angry robot authors, but you've made the shift with Priest of Bones to Ace. What was, the, yes, right. what was the experience there, you know, going from knowing one publisher pretty much uh, with one series and then moving to another one and working with a different editor, different people? How was that? Oh, it's, it's been really, really good. It's, it's very different. I mean, Angry Robot are, obviously, as you know, a fairly small independent British publisher and Ace a part of the corporate juggernaut that is Penguin Random House. So everything is done very differently. I've had to kind of relearn how the industry works in a way. I mean, everybody there has been absolutely fantastic. They're incredibly professional. But obviously, the bigger the company is, the slower it moves. It's, it's kind of the thing I've had to get used to. Oh, totally. So we sold, well, Jenny sold Priest of Bones to Ace. Um, while I was in the States, actually, it was really handy. It was last February. Um, was on holiday in Florida with Diane, my wife, and uh, we had we actually had two competing offers for the book. So there, you know, there was a lot of conference calls with editors and things, and it was absolute stroke of luck that I happened to be in the right time zone. Right, <laughs> would have would have been rather rather difficult trying to do it from here, I think. So yeah, so that was February seventeen. We sold well two books, Priest of Bones and the sequel, Priest of Lies, which is out next summer. And yeah, so eighteen months near as damn it from signing it's actually going to hit the shelves whereas you know angry robots turnarounds obviously a lot quicker than that because small companies tend to be agile but uh no i've, I've been hugely impressed with everybody at ace and, and everybody at joe fletcher in the uk and the cover art is wonderful editing's been incredibly thorough 
that I know you read an Alka Priest of Bones, I think, didn't you? Yes, I did. I, I had yeah, to, that, I had to beg you for it, but I got it, and I read. <laughs> there, there'll be a splendid city map in the final one, and all this kind of stuff. You know, production values are absolutely off the scale. And another thing that this quite a big milestone for me in the UK, anyway, the um, British edition is coming out as a hardcover which will be a first for me. I've never had a hardcover release before, so I'm, I'm kind of chuffed with that. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And February seems to be your month in selling books. It kind of does, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's all structure future sales strategies around February, doesn't it? Yeah, now every February you're going to be going, okay, am I going to sell another book this month? Yeah, come on, Jenny, it's February. <laughs> <laughs> and to let everyone know, especially those who've read the Drake novels, uh, <laughs> Priest of Bones is completely different obviously i love yeah i love your writing but but priest of bones just it it took it to a totally new level for me it's it i I couldn't put it down it was fantastic i know a lot of i forget if you've mentioned this or if other people have said this but uh it's been described as a fantasy uh sort of grim dark peaky blinders would you agree with that Oh, it was actually Barnes & Noble who came up with that one. They said it's Peaky Blinders with Swords. Um, I, I do. I mean, I I pitched it originally as The Godfather with Swords, but it, it has definitely got that gangland, grubby Peaky Blinders, but set in the Tudor period kind of thing going on, yeah. And that is one of my favorite TV shows anyway, so. Yeah. I, I'm pretty pleased with that. And I love the atmosphere. I love the... I know it's a, it's a different world, obviously, but it has... Uh, sort of a, a flavor of Victorian England and that kind of time period. And I don't know if that was done on purpose on your part, but that's the vibe I get. And I love stories and video games like that. I don't know if you've played Dishonored or Thief, but that kind of that mm, atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I didn't really pick a time period because I, mean, I, I wanted to have explosives and cannon and things happening in the background but I didn't want to be getting into kind of steampunk, Napoleonic kind of thing. So I've, the the setting is a kind of mix of um, sort of Tudor through Regency through I don't know exactly I don't know about as far up as uh, as Victorian necessarily, but certainly into the sort of British Empire days of the East em- East India Company and that kind of thing. Right. I, I don't know if it ever aired in the States. There's a, a Tom Hardy TV series called Taboo. Yes. 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 I, the, the aesthetic of that, of the you know the grimy docks and even the rich people are filthy kind of thing, was, yeah. was what I was kind of shooting for with that. That's great. Now, yeah, good show. You've you've moved uh, genres pretty much. I mean, I know SFF yeah. is all pretty much in the in the same uh, Orson Scott card called the, the ghetto, uh, but. <laughs> Urban fantasy is different from traditional fantasy and, and grimdark fantasy. Uh, what is your opinion of the state of urban fantasy? And do you? Th- <laughs> I know this is probably a loaded question. It's a difficult one to answer. I mean, I I think a lot of stuff these days gets called urban fantasy that I would call romance with monsters in. Right. So you know that urban fantasy does still sell very well. But the stuff that sells well now tends to be more on the the Anita Blake kind of side of things, rather than the, um, unless you are Jim Butcher with the Dresden Files, which obviously sells by the container ship load. Right. But that the the kind of the gritty noir, what I would call, 
more old school urban fantasy. I, there isn't as much of a market for it as there was, I don't think. And if, if you're riding wear leopards and things, then yeah, it, it's absolutely there. But that's not that's not really my kind of thing, to be honest. I just talked to my agent about this uh, yesterday through email because uh, the, one of the books I put through the Angry Robot Open Door was uh, it's called Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheat, and mm-hmm. it, it's it's old school urban fantasy. It's it noir. It's a guy who who uh, runs a revenge business in uh, Memphis. Oh, okay, and also plays guitar for the devil to steal souls for him. Um, but yeah, our our consensus was that you know urban fantasy right now, as far as that. Uh, and like you mentioned, unless you're Jim Butcher or Kevin Hearn and, and already an established name, it's kind of hard to, it's a hard sell. I, th- I think it is a tough sell. I mean, horror in general is a tough sell these days. And I think anything that, that's more on the the present day, modern day setting that's got that grim, dark edge to it, I think people look at it and think, oh, this is borderline crossover horror and there isn't really a horror market, there's a Stephen King market kind of thing. Right. So, yeah, I think it is a hard sell. I mean, I always wanted to write what I call swords and horses, you know. Secondary world, largely pre-industrial kind of fantasy has always been pretty much my first love in the genre. I I think I I wrote urban fantasy largely by accident, to be honest with you. (laughs) No, I'm not really quite sure how that happened. Actually, that's not true. I know exactly how it happened, and it's a very, very silly story. But um, <laughs> yeah. So now this is always more the sort of thing that I've wanted to do, definitely. Let's. But, uh, yeah, go on. Oh, I was going to say, let's talk about uh, Thomas Piety and uh, the the characters in Priest of Bones, um, because they're all so fantastic, and they're all so they all differentiate from each other. You never get anybody confused. And there's a lot of characters in this. Yeah, uh, all. Yeah, it, yeah. But it, what I, what I loved about the book besides the plot and everything else is that the, the characters, some, some of them even have the same name, but you give them a nickname and, and totally different personalities that separates them. One of my favorite characters is Billy the boy, mm-hmm. uh, because there's, there's a real dark side to him, and and what's great is that you, you don't know everything about him in this first book. Uh, could no. you, do we learn more about him in uh, the the next installment? Oh, absolutely. Um, so, Priest of Lies is going to be the second one. There's more of Billy in Priest of Lies, and um, where she gets to encounter the House of Magicians in Dan's Bergen book too, as well. Which I won't say any more about that. I won't spoil it for you. But yeah, there's there's a lot more Billy in there. Billy gets gradually. Um, gradually more disturbing and creepy as, as the series goes on. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. So Thomas Piety, uh, to let readers know, um, he's just returned home from war, and uh, he's become a priest uh, during the war, basically because his, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, his captain died and basically passed it on to him because uh, somebody had to take up the, the mantle of priest even though yeah. most people, even his own brother, say you, you, you're not a priest. This isn't this isn't you. Uh, bef- because before the war, he was basically running a gang, or he's a businessman, as you describe him in the book, uh, mm-hmm. in this in this town. And he's come home with his soldiers, and now they're going to start up the pious boys again, or pious men. Excuse me. That, that's exactly it. I mean, the the book's written in first person, so everything. Everything in the narration is narrated by Thomas. 
and obviously his view of the world and his idea of the truth does somewhat colour his narration. So, yeah, Thomas regards himself as a businessman. Thomas is basically a thug and a gangster. But in, in his world, he is the, the godfather, for want of a better word for it, of his streets. He's, he's from the slums, he's from the bad part of town. And, yeah, he does things that may not be entirely legal, but he, he's like the old school Sicilian mobsters that would look after their streets, look after their people. And yes, you had to pay protection, but you would actually get protected. So he, he's very, very much a morally grey character, I think. Right. But he has enough morality to where, you know, I think readers will like him, and he is actually a good person. He wants to do the right thing, even though the oh. way he does things isn't necessarily uh, the most uh, pious. <laughs> no, no, Thomas is a great believer in the end justifying the means, it must be said. But my, my characters usually aren't. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned uh, th- that the Godfather is is uh, comparable to this because, and I think I told you on uh, Twitter when I read it that uh, that one scene at the end reminded me of that scene from the Godfather when, uh-huh. <laughs> when he's uh, You're not having the first person to say that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, just. To give us a hint, that that had to be at least at, at the back of your mind while you were writing it. Oh, I, I did it completely on purpose, Sean. Okay. I've, got, I've, got, I've got a level with it. I did it completely on purpose. That's, it is supposed to evoke... I mean, it's obviously it's not a scene-by-scene scene rewrite, but it's supposed to evoke that sort of feeling. Yeah, definitely. Good. And I love when people do that stuff. Uh, with, in Daughters of Forgotten Light, uh, The Warriors, that movie, was a big inspiration. So I had to put in a little quote uh, of the, you know the guy clanking the the bottles together warriors come out and play uh, so I oh, had to no, no. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I had to throw that in there uh, so Priest of Lies is the next one uh, do you have a, a release date for that one um, I think it's provisionally July uh, 19 in the US I'm not sure about the UK it might be October again in the UK Okay, so uh, one coming out this October, and hopefully at least within a year, the the second one. How many oh, books, how definitely. many books of this are, are you planning to to make? What, how long so, of a series? Um, that's that's an interesting question. So we sold a two book deal to Ace, so it is a two book story. Um, so Priest of Lies will be a complete end to the story. There is very much an aspiration on my part to write more of them. I would like to write another two. We will, uh, we will see how it goes. I may have to raise that in February. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, February's the month. So, Absolutely. who who is someone that you look up to? And it could be someone who's already passed on, or a writer, or a group of writers who inspires you, or at least inspired you uh, that oh, you kind of look up to. There's been so many at different times in my life. I think. From when I first started writing, um, when I was a teenager in the late 80s, uh, very much Stephen King and Tanith Lee, who's sadly no longer with us, were two of my biggest early influences. Um, and it was it was reading their, reading their books that really made me want to write in the first place. I mean, I, in more recent times, I think Joe Abercrombie, definitely. I read all of his first law series as they came out and I learned so much about character voice from reading Joe's stuff he's an absolute master at it 
Have you gotten uh, to meet him? I haven't, sadly, yet. He doesn't go to a lot of conventions, but I'm hoping to get to Galanzfest at some point, because he normally does that one. Would very much like to meet him. And, I mean, more recently, there's been so many fantastic new writers. Last year was the the summer of debuts, honestly. Yeah. But, um, Ed McDonald I'm friends with. He's a really good guy. Uh, Blackwing's did... a fantastic book. I met Ed. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I met cool. him in Seattle. Yeah, no, he's a really nice guy. And um, I'm actually, actually right at the moment, I'm reading Anna Smith Sparks' second one. It's not out till uh, August, but I managed to get an advanced copy of that, The Tower of Living and Dying. Yes. Which is the, is the follow-up to Court of Broken Knives, which is one of my favourite books of last year. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. She kind of reminds me of Tanith Lee, in a way, with, with some of her, her writing. Absolutely amazing stuff. It's very different to what I write. Hers is more mythological in feel. Right. Where it's, and Ed's, Ed's is quite, in a way, quite similar to mine. But again, it's it's first person, it's gritty, it's, he, he doesn't like it being called Grimdark, but it, it kind of is and isn't. But it's, uh, it's got that sort of vibe where, you know, nobody's guaranteed to survive and everything has consequences kind of thing going on. Right. Really, really it. Highly recommended if you haven't read Blackwing. And the sequel to that's just come out, actually. Ravencry came out last week. Oh, cool. Okay. Really good. Yeah. Really good. Well worth a read. Um, they're Galantz in the UK, and um, he's with Ace in the US as well. Okay. Yeah, I was. I remember we were at the uh, Drinklings party in Seattle, and I saw this guy, and I introduced myself, and then he, you know, said who he was, and so somehow it, you got brought up, and he's like, "Yeah, Peter McLean, blah blah." I was like, "I know Peter." <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, Ed's a good guy, uh, and uh, Anna Smith Spark. I'll be meeting at Worldcon in August. I saw that she was going to be there. Yeah, yeah, she. I can't imagine flying all that way to go to a convention. Personally, oh wow! But, yeah, uh, she is indeed. Yeah, I'm. I'm hopefully going to go to Dublin next year because I've done good much excuse not to from Norwich. Right? So, <laughs> I have no plans of going to Dublin Dublin's. yet. Mm-hmm. We ju- we just went to Dublin in uh, in February. Um, oh, okay. But if I'm up for an award. Possibly, it, it, well, in some crazy way, somebody nominates me. Then I'm, I'm going to have to figure out a, a way to do it. But we'll see. I love Dublin. Yes. I saw your book at, at the so bookstore in Dublin. What's that? All oh, right. I said podcast listeners, you've got to nominate Sean yeah. for a Campbell so we get him to come to Dublin. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, my next book might might piss a lot of a lot of people off. <laughs> It's nothing like smoke eaters, but um, let, let's talk about your writing process. Uh, do, do you write every day, and how much do you write? What, 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 how does Peter McLean work? Oh, damn! I, um, Peter McLean works on a steady diet of whiskey. Really, um, you probably better edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> I I break pretty much every rule in the book. I think no, I don't write every day. Um, I have a day job for one thing like most people do so I can't guarantee I have writing time every day um, I write in sort of in binges really I mean um, I used to be what they call a pantser you know make it up as you go along person but I do outline quite thoroughly now so a 100,000 word novel will have probably 15-20 page outline to start with and I will write from the beginning to the end I can't do jumping about and write the end first sort of thing 
I'll always have the last couple of lines written before. Sometimes before I write the first line, I'll have the end written down. Right. At the back of the outline. But other than that, I will plow through it in order from start to finish. And obviously, stuff changes as you write. You know, the, the writing informs the plot, not the other way around. Right. So, yeah, it will evolve, and if I need to amend the outline as I go, then I do, but I tend to be fairly methodical with that sort of thing, but I don't have a, a daily word count, or some people say, oh, you, you've got to get your 500 words every day. I, I can't work like that at all. Right. I'll, I'll maybe a week without writing anything, and then I'll blast data 9,000 words on a Saturday, you know, it's just... Oh, wow. It depends what I'm doing, what else is going on, what sort of frame of mind I'm in. Phase of the moon, I think you could probably call the omens from my, my writing schedule or lack thereof. Right. That's crazy. See, I'm the opposite. I can't work. I, if I go a week without writing, I go, I go crazy. I, I guilt myself and, and just beat myself up about it. It's, it's ridiculous. But I'm amazed at people. I know Cameron Hurley is uh, the same way. She, she has a, a day job as well. And uh, she does all of her writing on a Saturday or Sunday. And just mm. this huge binge. And I just, I can't do it. I, <laughs> I have to do a little bit every day. Um, but I, yeah. I got this uh, this Alpha Smart Neo 2. I, I convinced Anna Stevens oh, to get one too. Yeah. yeah. Anna Stevens has been raving about hers on Twitter. Yeah. She got the idea from me. <laughs> How do you find it? eBay. eBay or, or anything like that. You get it for, I thought they stopped making them a decade ago. They did. It, you know, it was it was uh, primarily for students in school to learn mm-hmm. typing and things like that. Yeah. Uh, and then I was looking for, I, I saw the, uh, it's called the Free Right now, but it used to be called the Hemming Right. And that thing is 500 US dollars. I'm not going to mm. spend that much on just something to, to help me not be on the internet while I write. Well, <laughs> you know? um, so I looked at uh, different options and I saw this Alpha Smart and I said, well, heck, $20, $30, I can do that. Uh, mm. I love it. I love it. Uh, it, it you don't even have to, you know, with the computer, sometimes you have to wait and turn it on and wait for it to start up. And when you could be writing and jumping right in, I love just jumping right in because. If, if I start like that, the momentum builds and, and I can I can keep going. Uh, I love it. I highly recommend it. Oh, excellent stuff. I had something similar. It's been in the late 90s. The old um, Scion clamshell things. I had one of those. That was a little sort of black and white display folding off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just sort of. <laughs> I can't remember how they marketed them now because most of the modern IT words didn't exist then. But it was a sort of a very much a proto palm top kind of thing oh wow. it was great for that sort of thing and i mean you couldn't go on the internet because there wasn't one but i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember uh writing on my blackberry back when mm-hmm. when they had the the huge uh keyboard on it I, yeah. I when i was writing horror stories back in the day i, I would sit there and, and write my stories on my blackberry and then send it through the email and, and transfer and stuff i'm glad i don't have to do that that was terrible that was horrible <laughs> but you gotta you gotta get it done um well I, don't, I think that's that's exactly it. I mean, you, you're just saying our, our processes are completely different. At the end of the day, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's what works for the individual. You know, there's there, there's probably as many hard and fast rules of writing as there are writers, and they will violently disagree with each other. So the you know the trick to it is to find what works for you. Right. I think, and never more. I mean, yeah, I'm a big Stephen King fan. I've I've got his own writing book. Yes, I love that book. As a, as an on-writing book, it is a really, really good autobiography. Absolutely fascinating insight into the man. 
the actual writing advice I didn't agree with any of. But, you know, <laughs> it, it works for him, obviously. But, but people who say, that, oh, I must do it this way because Stephen King says so, if it, if it doesn't match their way of doing things, I don't think it's probably going to end very well for them, you know? Right. It creates this this conflict with your own, your own subconscious yeah. and your own way of doing things uh, exactly and he that. breaks his yeah. own rules that he says oh, he that he and it's like you said you don't use ly adverbs i've counted at least 50 on one page you know things like uh -huh. that yeah yeah uh, one uh, I can recommend, and if you haven't uh, heard of him or, or read any of his stuff, uh, Lawrence Block is one of my favorite writers. He writes uh, oh. crime and noir and uh, detective. There's a movie called Amongst the T A Walk Among the Tombstones uh, okay. that was based on one of his Matthew Scudder novels. Um, he writes, um, he, or he's written books about writing. One's called uh, Telling Lies for Fun and Profit. And he's got another bunch of yeah. It's a great title. I like that. Yeah. It's uh, I highly recommend his. His he used to write for Writer's Digest. He'd have a column about uh, writing and doing things. And I, I love his style because it's not the kind of you must do it this way. But you know, this is what I do, and this is what works for me, and this is what other people uh -huh. do, kind of thing. Um, yeah, I, I highly recommend those. Um, so we're about to wrap things up. Uh, if you could. First, quickly give me, just uh, to get readers to buy your book in October, or in pre-order now, actually, Priest of Bones, you, we've described it as the God, the Godfather and Peaky Blinders in a grim, dark fantasy world. What, what, what's uh, what's a, a pitch that you would, could say, if you're at a convention and telling readers about it, how would you describe Priest of Bones? Oh, boy. <laughs> what a question. <laughs> Priest of Bones is is exactly that. It is a gangster story set in a pseudo-medieval world with gunpowder and magic, intrigue and spies. That's it? That, that, <laughs> that completely that's, that's encapsulates pretty, it? Pretty much what it is, yeah. And it's awesome. I, I highly recommend it. And I'm very, And people who know me know I'm very picky, especially with friends of mine. Um, and I would not recommend a book or have someone on my podcast who I didn't think had some good stuff for people to buy so definitely yeah. check out priest of bones uh peter my last question for you is uh for listeners out there who are thinking of pursuing a writing career in the middle of one what what is some advice that you've either received or come to uh the knowledge um that you would like to pass on and either something that helped you or something you wish you knew when you first started oh um Two rules I always observe. Rule one, do the work. Rule two, get paid. Which, <laughs> to, to elaborate, it isn't going to happen if you don't write. So if you want to be a writer, you write. You don't read books about writing, you write. You don't talk on the internet about writing, you write. That's do the work, yeah? Totally. Get paid, get paid silly as it sounds, really means don't sell yourself short, yeah? When you've produce something that you know is good don't undervalue it don't sell yourself short i see so many people especially on twitter running down their own work and I, I think you know if you don't believe in yourself nobody else is going to and if they don't believe you they're not going to buy it so it's 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 about confidence and valuing yourself but get paid sounds good you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, that, um, yeah. the only other thing i would say is do not quit your day job just don't okay <laughs> even, even when you sell the first book even when you get that lovely big advance check do not quit your day job my agent and i were just talking about that too 
because mm-hmm. I, I basically said, hey, my ultimate goal is to write full time. And I love yeah. being a firefighter. It has it has great moments. But I love writing enough to where I would I would totally do it every day uh, and, and solely. Uh, but he's like, well, firefighting has good benefits, though, right? And it's like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, do you really want to be buying your own healthcare? Sure. Right. Do I really want to, you know, be a starving artist? And the answer is not really. Oh, uh, really? And, he, uh-huh. and he told me about Terry Brooks, and uh, who I also met in Seattle. Terry Brooks was talking to his publisher, and he said, "You know, I've saved up uh, a year's worth of, of royalties and stuff. I think I'm ready to, to quit my day job and, and do this full time." And the publisher told him, "Wait until you have two years worth." Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, so. I think that's absolutely sound, to be honest. I mean, even if you're Terry Brooks, you can't guarantee a new advance every year. You right. Just, you know. Exactly. And, and, you know, going back to the first thing you said about get the work done, people mm. have been asking me, you know, because they, they see my book coming out and stuff. They're like, how do you get started writing? And it's like, just start i don't know what to tell you like you you can't obviously it's great to have a a a concept and things like that but that's the easy part you know Mm. sit down and start poking those keys ideas are ten a penny you know people say i've got a great idea for a book that's nice for you you don't have a book do you you write the book you know it's not doing jack shit if it's still in your head exactly that man exactly that and a good idea does not necessarily make a good book and a good book does not necessarily start with a good idea. You know. Yes, very Books true. come from somebody sitting there and writing. Yes. No else. Ass no in else. chair. That's the one, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, everybody, Peter McLean, his new book, Priest of Bones, is coming out in October. Pre-order it now. It's going to be available everywhere, and it is fantastic. Pete, thanks so much for coming on Cosmic Dragon. Thanks for having me, Sean. It's been great. I want to thank all of you for tuning into Cosmic Dragon. Again, I'm Sean Grigsby, and uh, what am I reading currently? I just finished a book by Lawrence Block called Long Line of Dead Men. It's a detective noir. Uh, it came out in like 94, so it's pretty old. But I've moved on to The Poppy War that I've heard good things about, and I've also got Sam Hawke's debut that just came out today as of this recording, July 3rd. It's called City of Lies. And uh, the next book I'll be reading after that is The People's Republic of Everything by Nick Mamatas, which I hope I didn't murder his last name. And uh, hopefully we'll have uh, both of those guests on this podcast. So stay tuned. And until next time, remember, no matter if it's your writing or anything else you're doing, always grab the dragon by the horns. <laughs> <laughs>